Hey guys, and welcome once again to Toka Radio Show. I'm your host, GBS, and on this week's edition of the show, we have a very special homegrown guest. He recently founded his own imprint, Tower Records. He's a Red Bull Music Academy alumni and an artist you should definitely check out if you haven't already. So make sure you keep your headphones on, your speakers loud, and buckle up for a really special one with none other than Etienne. Etienne, we're very happy to have you here on Toka, especially since you've been a really good friend of the platform with your own imprint, Thaura Records. And unfortunately, my partner and co-host Nedi was not able to be here with us due to an urgent condition, but he sends his regards and hopefully he'll be here with us next time. So hello, Etienne. Hello. I'm so happy to be with you. I mean, be here with you guys, or with you, and I'm sorry to hear Nedi won't be with us, but uh, happy to be here. All right, uh, so let's get to it. Um, we always ask these questions to the locals and especially to, to the friends of Toka. So in your point of view, how would you describe the Beirut electronic music scene? Okay, well, um, I think... Uh, I mean, the scene has obviously been evolving for uh, a while now. So uh, if I had to describe it at different points in time, it would be a different description. Okay. Uh, best, um, I mean, right now, the way that the scene is, uh, obviously with, I mean, pre-corona and COVID and all that, uh, we had a scene that had built itself organically, I think, into something... Uh, quite impressive, you know, for a country of our size, for a city of our size, and the resources we have here and the infrastructure we have here or whatever, you know, given that yeah. there, there, there isn't really like a music industry per se, you know, there aren't collecting agencies that are uh, protecting songwriters and whatever, you know. So uh, as the music scene as a whole lacks industry. And then uh, the electronic scene, you know, over the last 10 years, uh, especially because of all the clubs that uh, became, you know, really uh, notorious, I'm yeah. gonna say. <laughs> you know, Grand Factory, of course, and then the Garden, and then yeah. 
like we've seen uh, the giants of the scene here and and probably not just in in lebanon but in in the middle east definitely so so like those clubs put lebanon on the map in a sense you know uh in terms of club music and that's that scene and so uh and so that helped a lot the electronic scene as a whole to continue developing because now uh, you had s- spaces uh, where people were, uh, you know, they, they could go and listen uh, to that type of music and you could go perform there. Now, of course, the club scene on its own is not the electronic music scene because the electronic music scene in Lebanon is actually the people who are creating music, the producers. And obviously, of course, you know, the DJs who are playing their music also in clubs and stuff and all of that works together in tandem. Uh, but as a whole... Great way to put at- it. But as an electronic music scene, you know, like, of course, it's still, I mean, pre-COVID, it had grown into something that was quite impressive for our tiny country. And, you know, um, I don't know, with the way that the, uh, obviously the clubs play the major role in, uh, you know, making that scene much more mainstream in yeah. a way. Yeah. Oh. So now everybody at some point in Lebanon became, you know, into techno, into house and whatever. But uh, what's really cool, I think, about the scene pre-COVID again, is that (laughs) with the clubs, you know, with all the clubs that started uh, popping out with Grand Factory leading the way 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 back when it first started, you know? Uh, And I mean, obviously, mentioned to all the clubs that came before and the basement and all that mainly the basement but it was like before all these clubs it was just you know pop-up parties and stuff and the focus there was not yet on uh you know electronic music i would say per se of course it was electronic music but it was much more about you know dancing and being able to have the safe space to go and do you know things that you can't do in lebanon usually or you know what i mean or at least have that space for people and then the more that scene grew and the more you know people got into electronic music people started producing music people started to really pay attention to what are what electronic music they're listening to you know and where does it come from and who's making that music and so and that's a thing that happened worldwide i would say not just in lebanon obviously yeah um but yeah but i think it's really cool you know like within 10 years we arrived to a place in lebanon where there still was no industry, regardless of, you know, electronic music or not. There is no music industry per se in Lebanon. There's a small... Yeah. In, There's a no community or like... Yeah, yeah, I get what you it's mean. Very, like, there isn't, you know, there isn't like... Uh, I mean, this is something that in every single interview with any single person that works in the music field in Lebanon, they'll tell you the same thing. They'll tell you there are no promoters, there's no agents, there's no bookings, there, there's no bookers per se, you know? Yeah. Like, these are things that literally in the last maybe two years have started to pop up. They start just- to know more about how the, how the structure of the industry is and they're starting to implement how the structure works in Lebanon, if I have to say. Exactly. exactly. But yeah. even with... Yeah, definitely. But even within that, you know, the industry, the small, tiny part of the industry that's been built mainly revolves around club culture and club music, not electronic music as a whole, you know? Because there are tons of people that are making electronic music that's not club music, or at least, if not tons, a bunch. (laughs) That's true. That's true. And, and, um, but yeah, but definitely, what I think is really cool with all of this is that 
um, in the last 10 years, obviously, uh, there's been a lot of like initiatives and people who have, you know, done, you know, pop-up parties, pop-up concepts, pop-up events, whatever, all within like the club scene and stuff. But but a lot of, you know, the clubs and especially the, the older ones, you know, like yeah. Grand Factory uh, and even the newer ones, like Ballroom Blitz, which popped up. Yeah, I was going to ask you about it, actually. <laughs> And, and yeah, and what, what's cool about all that is that they, you know, the, in the last few years, it, it it was obviously still about club music and all the parties and keeping up with, you know, international DJs and all of that and yeah. all that. But they also, you know, started working more on this, like, um, you know, like a cultural type uh, music um Whatever, I don't know how to. Yeah, I, I get what you mean, especially with Ballroom Blitz. Definitely, like, you know, especially with the three, the three rooms, the three different types of sounds, but within the same umbrella. Like, it yeah, makes sure, definitely. Lot of definitely sense. Yeah, definitely that. But also, what I was, what I meant more was uh, with all the like workshops and talks mm -hmm. and yeah. you know, Grand Factory doing their uh, live, you know, live electronic, focusing yeah. on live electronic stuff with. Uh, with BBX and then actually like sending people to Berlin to, to yeah. produce there. That's giving so, like, a lot really of... Getting involved. Yeah, yeah go, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just saying that really, like whenever you involve the community and, and you start, that's how you build community, you know, when you involve the community in... Exactly. In community building uh, activities. And in this case, they're community building activities that revolve around music. So new people who make music come together for a workshop session and they get to meet each other. They come for, you know, a synth meetups, synth talks. And this is not just the clubs doing it, you know, people within themselves also, there are like initiatives that are doing it different, whatever yeah. concepts and uh, concept uh, people, I don't know, groups, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like uh, collective groups, uh, concepts. Exactly collectives that have started you know to do this yeah and really get involved on a community level rather than just on a like oh, oh we're a club come party here yeah you know? yeah exactly
there's one show in the past that was like your all-time favorite in Beirut. Which one would it be and why? My show? like Yeah, show like what, a, a gig or a show or whatever you want to call it. Uh, hmm. It's it's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we have a lot of good parties here. So... Yeah, definitely. But I mean, like, I've had, I've, I, my lives have always been, my shows have mainly been live shows, you know? Yeah. Where I perform my own music. And in the last two years, a lot of those shows were very, like, late night in the club, techno, yeah. or, or, you know, not necessarily techno, but, you know, very, like, 3 a.m. Uh, worthy um uh, suitable for like 2 a.m. 3 a.m. Yeah, after hours mo- mostly. Yeah. Yeah, or if not after hours just like, you know, I don't want, I'm I'm going to say peak time although it's Yeah, not, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I've also played shows that were more down tempo, more experimental, more like just fucking around on my mod like uh, modular or not even a modular, just like a bunch of hardware stuff and drum machines and I don't know. I've had many different shows. Uh, if you want, were... if you had to pick one show, <laughs> what show would it be? One specific show you would. See? Why are you making me do this? <laughs> I know it's tough, but like one, one really good show. Okay, one show that's that I still like really like. I don't know. I can, I think about in a good way, and I like. Although this is to say, this is my like electronic live show because yeah. I've also played like live shows with a band translating nice. the electronic stuff that I do with like into a band s- scenario or whatever. But as Etienne on my own, um, one of my favorite shows is still my album launch party at BOE. No, in oh. at uh, at Grand Factory in the oh, like, okay, okay. In, okay. in 2007. No, 2015. If that was so wow. long ago. Okay, nice. But the reason I picked that one is because they let me play my my Your like sound. my sound, which was for that album like down tempo electronica sort of indie or something you know but it wasn't like four to the floor music or whatever yeah. uh, and even i played i actually also played yasmin ep which is the ep that's coming out uh, in, on november 4 now my like oh my wow you've EP. been playing it for a while so yeah it's nice. been it's been around for a while definitely <laughs> So uh, it was special to me because I got to play in the like the big main room, mm-hmm. and uh, um, it's not what people usually want there, you know. Yeah. Um, and and people still like resonated to it, and it was really nice, and there was like a lot of people, and uh, people resonated with what I was doing without necessarily. They understood, and and they they really appreciated the sound that you were playing. Yeah, at least it felt that way. And yeah. that was one of the first times that I got that kind of reaction from a crowd in Lebanon for my style at the time. Because obviously since then, it's changed a bit, but whatever. Okay, and nice. not but I mean, like uh, that repertoire has evolved now into different stuff that are maybe more uh, club suitable, <laughs> you know? So, but at the time it wasn't. So I really appreciated that uh, game actually but I've also but I don't know if that's the number one I mean definitely it's in the top but I've also yeah. had like a lot very cozy uh, you know like not that many people gigs 
that I really, really, really loved because I got to like be really close to the audience in a way where yeah. there wasn't any more that like pretense, you know, or, or mm-hmm. of like, oh, I'm this like producer, DJ, electronic artist, whatever, you know. And yeah. I'm here to like uh, impress you guys with my uh, attitude or some shit. I don't know, whatever. I'm just blabbering. Yeah, no, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> it's much more heke, um, like it's humble. It's, it's your humble sound. It's, it's your humble show. Friend. Yeah, but it's like, it's just it's it's more intimate. You know, you're sitting yeah. there with people that because you're so close to them, you end up like you know exchanging a few words, and now you feel yeah. like you're just sitting with a bunch of friends, and you're just gonna play for you know That's people. True. You know? nice and it, it's nice I, I like those kind of situations I don't it's know if always, actually they're always here. the best best parties and shows for a DJ me being a DJ I mean those are probably my my favorites
I know that you you are a Red Bull Music Academy alumni, right? Yes. How was that experience? I've always been curious to know how that experience is. I know it's pretty hard to get in and the experience itself is actually amazing. So what do you, what can you say about this? Uh, well, RBMA, um, I applied the first time in like 2014, I think, or 2015. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was, I think in 2015 I applied and they didn't accept me. And I remember I was like, uh, like really hurt, kind not hurt, but I was like, fuck, this means that I'm like not good enough. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a good enough electronic producer, artist, yeah. whatever thing, you know, because I looked at it like, like I had heard of RBMA and I was like, oh my God, like this. Yeah, thing it looks, lets you down in a, in a way. Like, it looks massive. And I honestly, like at that point, when I got, when it didn't accept me the first time, I felt like, you know what, like, It doesn't matter, like, it's not necessarily something that I should ever hope to get, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's fine. A lot of people don't get accepted. Yeah. And then uh, two years after, the year after I didn't apply because I was just, like, aloof about it. And then the year after, I applied again and I got accepted and I couldn't believe it. And I went there and it was insane. Like, it was... Is it in it was Austria? A... No, mine was in Montreal. So every year Montreal, they do a new place. But it's like... Like, just to give you a description of what it is. They take you, I mean, uh, a bunch of us are selected, you know, and then uh, we all get to spend like two weeks together in this uh, facility that's literally just built temporarily for us while we're there. And it's uh, like 12 private studios, like small studios with all the synth gear that you could hope for, you know? And then like a fully fledged, legit recording studio with like a mastering, uh, like uh, wow. uh, consoles and mixing consoles and everything. A room where there's like a piano, a uh, hammer, a dulcimer, every single instrument you can imagine. <laughs> Another room where like there's every single synth that has walked the earth. And then, uh, and then literally you're like hanging out with Thundercat and uh, Whatever, like you're hanging out with Bjork, you yeah. know, or or yeah. rather Bjork. Bjork comes to give to give uh, a lecture or a talk or whatever, and like uh, yeah, it's an insane experience. Sicky, you're you're kind of propelled into the, like it's as if somebody like picks you up and just drops you in yeah. in in the like heart of the music industry or whatever, yeah. you know. What I mean? Yeah. And there's all these influential people around you and all these like amazing like-minded musicians and artists and producers and whatever who are really like um i don't know at least i would say forward thinking you know like trying to like they're looking to the future and like they're not they're all special you know they're all unique yeah. they're all chosen because whatever they're I, i'm talking about like the people who are selected you know mm -hmm. and then um yeah so so it was just amazing you know to to be there and make friends like that, friends that I'm still in touch with till now who are like really talented and like come from somewhere like Beirut and and spend two weeks getting to listen to lectures by Bjork and Whoa. I, don't know why, I don't know why I'm totally like, uh, I, I'm blanking on the rest of the le lectures, but we had like tons of insane lectures. But that's the one that really, <laughs> really kept a mark in your in your head. 
if, I, if we have to no, say. No, I mean, I, 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 no, I really appreciate Bjork, but um, we had some some really cool lectures and some really cool studio like um, like artists that they they that Red Bull hires basically to to help us out in the studios and hang out and like you know get inspired by like Thundercat and um, so yeah it's re- it's really cool like nice. it's it's uh, it's a once in a lifetime experience for sure that uh, that I'm really really glad I was able to be a part of while Red Bull Music Academy was a thing That's great. And recently, you you actually started your own record label, which is Thauda Records. What are the challenges yes. uh, as being an artist and a label owner? What are your challenges as juggling between being an artist and juggling between being a label owner? Um... The challenges between being an what the difference in the challenges or the what challenges are, between between like being both in in one industry like you're a label owner and you're an artist. What are the challenges of actually being both? Yeah, well, uh, I think the main and the biggest challenge is for me at least is that once I'm once I'm like putting on this hat of the label guy you know the label yeah. manager or whatever and I and I'm going there like I'm I'm, I'm reaching out and I'm trying to like uh, release artists that I know that I think are talented that are really good that I want to support and stuff and then once I put on that hat for too long you know I start to forget that I'm also like uh, a, a person who makes music you know <laughs> for me yeah. uh, but but uh, but but not really not really I mean I think I'm doing a good enough job juggling it it's just you that are. having to deal with all especially with, with the label right now you know having to deal with like it's so stressful to just be worried about your own release yeah you know and having to worry about you know, other people's releases plus my release and then like if i'm i use I, I like to release a lot of my stuff independently you know not everything i try to find the label for because i just like to be that in control of it you know yeah and uh so because of that i'm naturally releasing some of my own stuff on Tauda. and i definitely feel like at least um at least like having to switch like for example just now we just released on Sauda the Beirut remix compilation last month yeah i was going to ask know? you about that yeah and as soon as that as soon as that came out you know there we were doing the promo for that and obviously there's a lot of work beforehand like we do a lot of we do at least like a month of promo beforehand and reaching out to people and reaching out to like you know uh, blogs and um stores and services to see like if we can get support and all that and then there's like even there's more work to be done once the EP is out you know with yeah. uh, uh, securing like playlists and whatever you know everything that goes with just trying to get 
that music uh, to the right ears and you know giving it its worth and all that for sure so so just so so just like being uh, being like uh, working on as the label uh, guy you know and and having to go from one release to the next to the next to the next can be tiring but it's like really 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 exhausting when it i'm also you know trying to work on my own music and figure yeah, out i can my understand release. i totally relate so now with the beirut remix for example it just came out uh, last month and then like we barely finished the after promo you know the after release promo for it with all the videos and stuff yeah. that i had to like that i had to start promoting my ep you know which is coming out uh, now on november 4th and yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's hard, but but it's um, I love it honestly. I love I mean I love to I love releasing my own music, obviously. But I really love working. I really love like working and helping out others. You know, using what I know. Like the only reason I started Sauda is because I felt that I had released so much stuff independently, and even yeah. you know when I labels. I put in a lot of work from my side as as the artist. Like I'm, I've never been the type that was like, oh, I found the label, great. I don't need to do shit anymore. Exactly. They'll just release and promote my EP. And actually, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of artists don't make any, any progress yeah. with their stuff. Like they, a lot of artists are still naive about how they see the industry and how they think they should be behaving. Like, oh, I'm an artist. I should just be doing the music. But yeah, of course. But once you're releasing your music, if you don't make a big deal about it, then nobody will. Exactly. You know what I mean? That makes a lot of so sense. Like, so like, yeah, like it's it's if you want to be treated like you're a big deal, you have to act as if you're not act. It's not acting, but it's like you know what I'm saying. Like, you have to give your music the respect and the hard work exactly. that it deserves yeah. in promoting it, which could be hard. And it's it's a learning curve. It's something you have to learn for sure. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. No hard feelings for anyone that's like fucking up on that front, you know. It's a learning thing. <laughs> but of course, no, they wouldn't take it like that. I mean, if they were, if they're listening right now, that that probably should be an advice for them, you know. Like always try to keep like go upwards and onwards with your sound and how it should be appreciated with with the with the crowd and with the listeners. Definitely, and how you and how you respect what you're doing, you know. Like exactly. you give. You give value to your own creation uh, by, 100%. by by showing, you know, by by acting like it has value. You know yeah, what I mean? for sure. So, um, yeah. so yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> that's great. That's that's really great.
now let's jump to some stuff that are out of the industry bit. So if there's one person you dream to have a coffee with, who would it be and why? Wow. Uh, it doesn't have to be a musician or it could be a musician. It could be whatever. Uh, one person that you dream to have a coffee with. Baby Jesus. No, I'm kidding. I'll... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Alan, uh, Alan Watts or Alan Moore. Oh, Alan Watts. <laughs> They're my two favorite Alans. Nice. One of them is a philosopher. Yeah. And the other is a writer. And uh, so Alan Watts. Yeah, maybe Alan Watts, but maybe he's too old and like we wouldn't have a lot to well, relate to. He's, you know, he's like he's crazy good. Like not long ago, I was introduced to Alan Watts. Me and Nettie. We were sitting with one of our friends and uh, yeah. yeah, he introduced us to Alan Watts and it was, it was pretty good, actually. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm a huge fan of philosophy and especially like existential philosophy. And yeah. So I've, you know, everything that relates to, you know, the, um, our existence and the you know why are we here or yeah, what are we yeah. where do what, you know why have we come into existence yeah and so so alan watts is uh alan watts is someone that basically once i found once i discovered him i was like holy shit someone else thinks how i thought yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. i mean as as pompous as that sounds nice but i swear like it's because it's because in in university Uh, I was obsessed with this one like philosophical argument that I learned in philosophy class, which is called the dispositional and categorical distinction. I'm not going to well, go into the whole thing. Yeah, but it that, basically that's, proves, <laughs> that's too deep. It basically, it basically proves that everything we know yeah. uh, through, through science and our senses and all that uh, doesn't actually exist. It doesn't have intrinsic nature. Yeah. And uh, whatever, I'm not gonna go any further. Yeah, than that. no, I mean it makes yeah. a lot of sense, Alan. But yeah, Alan Watts. So I was obsessed. I was obsessed with that. And when I discovered Alan Watts, uh, a lot of the things that he talks about relate to that in a sense, you know, yeah. uh, coming from nothing, nothingness, For sure. and uh, whatever, you know, nature of cons consciousness also. Yeah. And, um, And even like some of his more like Eastern medicine type uh, things, I mean, it's cool. Like he, nice. he, he's he's a bit of uh, a mis like he's he like talks about he's a genius. Yeah, he's yeah, he is, he's a genius. I definitely yeah. think he's a genius. Yeah. Nice, nice. So and if not him, if he's not available, then Alan Moore, the guy who basically <laughs> wrote the guy who wrote Watchmen. Yeah, that's my, oh. that's my that's my favorite oh. comic. Wait. Uh, huh? Wait, I've been focusing a lot on Alan Watts that I completely forgot that you sell Alan Moore and I'm one of the biggest fans of Alan Moore. I like <laughs> The Killing Joke, V for Vendetta, Watchmen. Yes. I've, I've read Watchmen. all the comics. Watchmen, not the not the film. Fuck the film. Yeah, the comic. I, I mean, the comic. Whatever. It was, it the was, comic book. Yeah, the comic. The comic yeah, yeah, yeah. The have most genius I've ever read in my lifetime, I think. Well, have Maybe you I haven't read enough. <laughs> you should read. Have you read the Killing like Joke, the, the Joker comic? Yeah, of course. 
Yeah, course, that's his, course, his classic course. one. And V for Vendetta, he's the one that wrote it as well. Definitely. Yeah. I haven't I haven't actually read the original Vendetta. It's something I've been wanting to do for a you long should, time. You should, man. It's but, one of the uh, It's one of the comics that really the, the movie really followed the comic book very well. Like well, when I was reading the comic book, it was made it was written in probably 84 or 87, I'm not sure. But it's it's yeah. incredible. It's really good. I still didn't finish it. I, I recently started reading. Oh, no way. Yeah, I read yeah, comics. I, I love yeah. I love that movie though. I love that movie. Yeah, though, so. the movie's insane. Yeah. All right. But nice. uh, I actually watched that movie first. Oh, I mean, okay. Yeah, same one, for me. Watchmen. Same for me. I was I, really intrigued. Yeah, I like with Watchmen. I watched the movie after the comics, so okay. I really hated it because it was like no. The movie is uh, really bad, but the series that was made on HBO is actually really good. You should watch it. So. Yeah, it wasn't. No, I, I did watch it. I really oh. like the series. I yeah. really like the series. But the movie was pretty I mean, bad. Like the it, movie was. It was made. awesome. Yeah. The movie. What I didn't like about the movie is that well, it was it was too much. Like they wanted to make it exactly like the comic. Yeah. But then they like literally, literally in the film, you know the the scene with Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, on the moon, uh, yeah. Mars. My bad. And 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 when he's on Mars, you know, he's like he's he's they're they're trying to emulate like how in the comic, you know, <laughs> like trying to show you how a god would think, yeah. you know, someone who was yeah. present everywhere, yeah. and at the same time, how would they narrate something, you know? Yeah. And it's cool, it's amazing in the comic, it's amazing. It's one of my most favorite things ever. And yeah. then in the movie, it's not bad, you know, it's it's not bad at all. But but they literally like. They take the exact same dialogue, but then obviously they have to cut from it, you know? So they like just cut yeah. chunks left and right. And then, you know, he, he says like this very like sens sensationalized version of, of what he was actually saying, yeah. which is like a s insane philosophical fucking critique in the comic. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, and, that's and a movie, cool way. Yeah. And in uh, the movie, literally it's a, like Dr. Manhattan, his whole character is yeah. the philosophical critique. Yeah. You know, or yeah, Shaq yeah, yeah. character is the psychological critique, you know, like yeah. uh till how far do you have to like bend you know, how how much shit does someone need to take before they like go crazy into that yeah. psycho psychosis, you know, before they have that become something like Rorschach, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, uh, so anyway, whatever. I just I didn't like the movie because they just cut out chunks yeah. and then and then then like the sentences don't necessarily make sense anymore they're not even that deep you know yeah if, if you're just, if, oh, if you're gonna yeah not to interrupt you but if, if you're gonna literally uh narrate a comic book in a movie it's gonna sound so awkward because you're gonna jump from a scene to another that are not really that linked so it's either you seamlessly narrate the comic book in a good way in a movie, just like what was made with V for Vendetta, but with Watchmen, I personally didn't finish the movie. I just focused on watching the series because yeah. it was much, much better. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the comic books are, are really nice. They also changed the ending in the film. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's sad. I don't know. Yeah. It's because the ending of the comic is like the most perfect yeah. thing ever. That's actually, you're actually one of the f first people that I know that read comics. 
<laughs> I, I think like I have friends that read comics, but I mean, for you to know Watchmen and, and Alan Moore, I think that's that's pretty niche. So that's cool. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean honestly, um, I haven't read comics in a long time now. Yeah. You know, like. No. Not necessarily like what I mean is when I was a kid, I was obsessed with comics. Like I yeah. had a trunk full of everything from Superman to Batman. If you have uh, a couple of comics left that you think would be nice to, for me to read, I would really appreciate to have one or two or whatever because I'm a big fan. Uh, talking <laughs> about superheroes, uh, yeah. so if you were to have a superpower, what would it be and why? <laughs> mm. Definitely, uh, actually not definitely. It, I used to want to have um, telepathy. Okay. You know, yeah. like telekinesis, telepathy, like yeah. everything that has to do with the like mind. Like Dr. X uh, from X-Men? Like Dr. Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan, yeah. Okay, sure. nice. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, not like Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan is way too hardcore. Yeah. Like he's kind of like... <laughs> Maybe more like Jean Grey from the X-Men. Okay, you know? nice. Okay. Like just, I can move shit with my mind and I yeah. can also read your thoughts. Nice. And nice. <laughs> <laughs> but then I but then I wanted teleportation at some point. But yeah, now... All of us artists want teleportation. Yeah, because it's... Every it's single time I ask this question, everyone says teleportation. You know, I've, uh, if I've yeah. interviewed the big DJs that just say like without thinking teleportation we we really want to be teleported to all the cities we're playing in yeah. easily nobody wants to keep traveling all yeah. the time yeah it's 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 exhausting for sure so yeah nice but, yeah but I, i would like to add one thing to that is that yeah. uh ever since the october revolution okay i've wanted to be i've wanted to be bulletproof just so i can like wow Lead, lead the people lead the people yeah, forward man. yeah dude <laughs> tell me about it although we try to keep out of politics on everything related to talk about we have to talk about it like whatever has been happening in lebanon and and i mean it's it's pretty sad and and you saying that makes so much sense because there's been so much brutality if you have to say on the streets with the police and, and everything against the protesters uh, yeah yeah that's sad that's really sad it's like pellets and shot with rubber bullets and you know a lot of our friends i've had a lot of friends that are, have i have a friend that lost an eye and i have other yeah. friends that have been brutally shot with rubber bullets like it really oh, it's, it's just sad to talk about it let's just keep it on a keep this on a positive <laughs> note, a positive note yeah <laughs>
So I know you you've done a, uh, a score or soundtracks for a series before, but yeah. if you had the chance of doing a film score from the past, a film or a series of your own, what which one would you choose? Man, I love these questions. Honestly, uh, <laughs> let me think. <laughs> Uh, definitely, not definitely. I don't know why I keep saying definitely, but I think um, if I had to choose, it can't be my favorite movie because I don't want to ruin my favorite movie. What, what, what is it? What is your favorite? Movie? <laughs> uh, my favorite movie is Mulholland Drive. Oh my one... God! If Natty was here, you guys yeah. would have talked about this movie all the time. <laughs> And it's his favorite no movie as well. Yeah. No way, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, nice. Mulholland Drive is sitting like in a corner of its own. Yeah. So, uh, but like right after that, I can talk about like, you know, blockbuster films or, or not even blockbusters, you know, like really good films that I like. But yeah. Mulholland Drive is like, I can't compare it to anything else anyway because it cannot be compared to anything else. I haven't anyway. watched it yet, but I'm planning to watch it. So. Yeah, well, no, I recommend you watch it for, for sure. sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Another one, maybe, uh, but no, definitely not Mahan Drive. That's not the answer because I would okay. never, I can't do that. Like you can't ruin and like it's too good to. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. I mean, or the score isn't necessarily like it's not like a score that you 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 maybe remember necessarily. Like yeah, there's 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 obviously like needle drops, like a bunch of music that's used, you know, music yeah. that's already used, but a lot of it is somehow like played into the film some of it at least yeah uh, um, but anyway whatever no like it's not a film it's way too weird of a film that I would I don't know I just think I wouldn't be the right person to make music for that film yeah but, I, under, I understand yeah yeah but if I had to choose I guess I would say I don't know Arrival If the music comes out exactly like Johan Johansson, because <laughs> that was <laughs> that was also amazing. Nice, nice. I haven't heard of the movie. I don't know. Arrival. Very humble opinion. I don't know. It came out. It came out like uh, two, three. It's not that old. It came out oh, really? three years ago. Yeah. Three years ago or four years ago? No, three years ago for sure. Okay. And uh, uh, it has uh, Amy Adams. Oh, and nice. And uh, what's his name? Hawkeye from Avengers. Cool, nice. I'll definitely watch it. I have two movies to watch. It's one of the best. It's one of my favorite films, also. Okay, Maybe, cool. like in my top ten. Nice. My next question and the the last one. Uh, who do you want us to interview next from Beirut? Like one artist you want us to interview next? I would say probably um, Pom Rouge. Pom Rouge, and all right. We premiered yeah, the track for them on Thor, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah, you premiered the track definitely, yeah. and, and they're just they're just getting started. You know, that's their first EP. Okay. And uh, and they have a lot of stuff uh, coming up, and a lot of like working in in a lot of different styles. And uh, we're actually working on releasing this like audiovisual release on Thauda for one nice. of uh, 
for something that they've done that's like mind blowing uh, with uh, with Alex Shaheen, one of the guys from Pandruj. Yeah. And, uh, and this video, uh, this like, uh, uh, this, you know, film. It's like okay. a short film. Nice. It's insane. It's like, it's really, really insane. It's an animation, it's an animation short film thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, it was uh, an absolute. Yeah, it's it's an it's an absolute absolute pleasure having you, Etienne. Uh, especially since you're from Lebanon and you're pushing the sound from your label, from the work that you're doing as an artist, and from everything that you're doing in general. So it's it's a pleasure. I mean, Nadi would have had the pleasure as well, but unfortunately, he's not with us. So uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It was really my the pleasure was all mine and. Uh, yeah, definitely say hi to Nadi for me and that uh, he should, you should tell him to tell you to watch Mulholland Drive as soon as possible. <laughs> He's been telling me to watch this for so long. <laughs> <laughs> he should. Uh.